we discuss the roles of health in America and the American health care system, as well as the war in Ukraine. And I have two spe- very special guests here today. So stay tuned here on the Conservative Connection. The Conservative Connection. Come on, man. All right, so I'm I'm very excited to finally have uh, three people now talking on the podcast at once. We got a mic upgrade, mics sound great, and I have two very special guests, Sammy and Olga. Nice to meet you guys. Nice to have you guys on here. Very very happy to have you guys on. Say hi. Hi. Thanks for having us. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Hi. Hello. So, Olga, you are actually from ukraine um yes. what, what area of ukraine are you actually from uh i'm from kiev from you're the from, capital of ukraine you're from kiev yeah. yeah been in the news a lot obviously so yeah um when, when did you move to the united states so i moved in july 2019 i actually went to grad school at johns hopkins i got a master's degree in business analytics there um and then i worked remote as a software engineer for a couple of years i stayed in dc area uh, for a couple of years, and I stayed there during COVID, and then August 2022, I moved to Chicago. Which one do you like more? Chicago, of course. Good, good. We've got a Chicago <laughs> audience. <laughs> Go Bears! But um, yeah, so how many how many uh, family members do you have in Ukraine? Uh, everyone is in Ukraine. Everybody. Like, so, so like you don't have any family in the U.S. at all, or anybody no. staying here? Just you? Yeah. Huh. So my family lives in Kiev. Yeah. My dad, my mom, and my brother are in Kiev, and my grandma is also there. And one of my best friends um, and friends from high school and university are also in Kiev. So uh, how how has the war affected, like, your family relationships and, and things growing up here? Because, you know, it's, it's always important to kind of see how things affect the people on the ground. And, you know, me and Sammy living in the United States, we don't always get to see that. So um, when the first when the war started first, it was a major disruption for everyone and for everything, like for for jobs, for companies, for people. Um, first day of war, uh, five a.m. It was ten p.m. in DC. My bro- my brother texted me that he just woke up from the explosion and that the Russia started the invasion. And then everyone I knew started like panicking and try and tried to leave the country. Um, because of the martial law, men are not allowed to leave. And during the first couple of days, this law was not yet introduced. So those who were quick enough, they left the country. Yeah. Uh, my friends and my family members, they moved out of Kiev. Everyone packed, like just took like, you know, pets, documents and some personal belongings and they they just left people drew to uh, western ukraine um because this area was considered safer because russia even though russia was attacking major cities in ukraine the front lines were in the eastern ukraine can i ask you you said the thing about the martial law did that affect men of every age or only fighting age uh, 18 plus Eight, so 18 so if they were but if they were like 60 70 could they leave uh, 18 or? Or is it 18, 18 to 60? Yeah, my dad is yeah. 58, so... Wow. Yeah, just barely made the cutoff. That's yeah. unfortunate. 
So, um, so are, are people like, are they being recruited mandatorily or are they, are, are they volunteering or are they going of their own free will or how does that work now? So during the first weeks of war, a lot of men left their jobs and went to war. A lot of people did that. So for example, my ex's dad, he was an executive of a major company, of a major steel production company. And he's like, I'm quitting my job with like high paying salary and I'm going to war. And he actually did it. Wow. Then two of my friends from high school, one of them is a girl. They just went to war straight away. Wow. So at the beginning, people who people wanted to fight and protect their country. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, I do feel like the Americans are giving enough support to Ukraine. I mean, like, how, how do we shake in the whole situation here? Um, so first of all, I would like to thank you, the American citizens <laughs> and government for helping yeah. my country because you. you actually do a lot. Yeah. During like the first couple of weeks of war, Americans allowed Ukrainian immigrants to enter U.S. through mm -hmm. Mexico, even though they don't usually allow like random immigrants to come. But they let a lot of people from Ukraine uh, to U.S. and gave them like the um, permission to stay and the refugee status. Uh, also, I have a personal experience how Americans helped uh, Ukrainians with the war because in in may my mom actually came to us to visit me to stay for a couple of months and in dc area i found this old couple that agreed to help us they hosted my mom and her friends for a month for no for three months yeah she stayed for three months until things calmed down in kiev and then she went back do you, okay so can, can i ask you a question because a lot of people are like really confused as what basically is the main goal of russia and what is the goal of ukraine do you know like uh, yeah so it all goes to putin's um expansionist views okay so he still he wants to resurrect the russian empire ukraine was once a part of russian empire even though ukrainian people and ukrainian culture ukrainian ethnicity is different it was under the empire during the times when like all major countries wanted to be empires. Yeah, like a, a UK. Lot, yeah, a lot of Ukrainians actually speak Russian. Yeah. Do you speak Russian? Though? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. actually speak Russian. Yeah. Everyone, I think, in Ukraine knows Russian. Including so, uh, Zelensky. Yeah. yeah. He, he used to speak exclusively Russian before mm -hmm. he became president, which is... Well, let's let's not go all until Zelensky. And everything. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, but but um, uh, yeah, so how far are they trying to expand? Do you know? Because that's like, is it a certain region or is this like a China and Taiwan situation where they want to kind of just absorb it into the They Russian? just want to absorb Ukraine because their political beliefs, their propaganda is focused on, on the narrative that Ukraine is Russia. Okay. We share, they say that they claim that we share common goals, that we are like Slavs, brothers, but they still kill people that they say are their brothers. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a whole mess. And, um, I have to be honest, like I tried, um, like following this for the longest time and I just, I just couldn't keep track of it. There's, there's so many moving parts. I, I don't, Sammy, have you, have you tried following this before and like gotten confused about no, it? No, I've tried before? following it many times. In fact, I get most of my information from her through conversation. So. Yeah. I'm, I'm, by the way, uh, 
thank you for coming on <laughs> and uh, helping me understand this and also helping my audience because like I, I know I'm in the same boat and she's in the same boat as most people where we're just like, what is going on? <laughs> I also think that some, you know, sometimes we forget like here in America, we don't, you know, think about how bad it is over there because yeah. it's kind of out of sight, out of mind. So whenever she's talking, like the other day, she had sent me a text and she said, you know, her brother was in her, his girlfriend and their cat were in the bathroom at like 4 a.m. because, you know, the sirens were going off and I was like, and she was, you know, freaking out about it. And I didn't even like think about that. I was like, wow, my worry are so little right now compared to that. I'm over here stressing about work and I would not have even thought about how bad it was if she hadn't texted me and brought it up to me personally. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, obviously like we supplied a lot of um, automatic firearms and everything else to Ukraine's. We gave them to the yeah. citizens. The Patriot to, systems, yeah. they are actually very helpful right now and they play a major role in how the war is going on because during the May, Russia has conducted airstrikes on Kiev almost every day and the majority of strikes were were um, prevented by using the Patriot uh, air defense systems that U.S. supply to Ukraine. Yeah. Can, can you can you tell us too like what else because like oftentimes like we here in the United States we hear that a lot of money is going into the Ukrainian uh, system but we don't actually know what it's going to so like Patriot defense uh, system like we don't even hear that a lot in the United States like can you give other examples like obviously we gave automatic firearms we gave um, the uh, aircraft um, I'm pretty sure like they say that we don't have guys over there but I'm pretty confident we do yeah so the major things that the money the support money from US are spent is education of Ukrainian military because obviously uh, even though we are able to prevent russian attacks still ukrainian military is not on the same level as u.s level yeah and the second major thing is uh, firearms and yeah and yeah. air defense systems right now uh you're saying that in the u.s you don't hear the things a lot but if you watch ukrainian news they always talk about uh, different types of protections from uh of equipment that U.S. can supply. Mm -hmm. And right now, Ukrainian president and the Ukrainian defense uh, department asks for rockets that can strike as far as Moscow. Yeah. And if didn't, uh, didn't we supply with, or maybe it wasn't uh, American supply, but wasn't it, you? Uh, it was some sort of Ukrainian missile got close to the Kremlin? Or am I mistaken? Um, those are drones mm -hmm. uh, during the last right. month's year. Uh, it's hard to say who launched them because there is also a partisan movement, Russian partisan movement in Ukraine. Like Russians who are against war went to Ukraine and uh, Ukraine, of course, accepted them. Yeah. And said them, hey, if you're against Russia, okay, that's cool. Come, come, we're going to work together. So now, now those patriots are trying to uh, do an invasion in Western Russia. Where exactly in Russia? Russia, Russia on the border in Ukraine, like Donetsk okay. and Lugansk Oblast. Donbass? Yeah. 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 It's, um, this is an interesting thing because, um, you know, you talked about Russian defectors. Um, the, the Russians really, um, got kind of screwed out of their money and, um, the Russian citizens who were not part of everything, just average everyday people. And what ended up happening to them was when we took them off of the, um, the currency system they currently had all their, they lost all their money, their savings, everything else. A lot of them had to leave the um, country, but now we also have BRICS. I don't know if you've heard of BRICS, but it's uh, Brazil, Russia, India, yeah. 
China and I believe it's South Africa are now forming their own system to try to um, get off of that. So we've already had global monetary yeah. policies affected by that. Um, and then uh, what do you think about this whole position of uh, NATO inside the war and how that affects everything? Um, I think that NATO's position was very important at the beginning of the war. Uh, but I don't think that it can change anything. Uh, for example, Poland is a part of NATO, and uh, in the early months of war, there were, were cases where Russian rockets landed on the territory of Poland, and initially NATO claimed it, that if Russian equipment is going to be in the in the Poland, they're going to invade and fight Russia, but it never happened. So I don't think that NATO can get involved in any way because they were... they. They could have done that a lot of times, but they didn't. Yeah. So do you think they'll get involved now or do you think that they're kind of on the sidelines waiting it out? I think that they are waiting right now to see whether Ukraine will be able to turn the cards around because Ukraine is uh, preparing the um, counter invasion. Yeah. Yeah. Counter invasion. And Mm -hmm. everyone is waiting for the results of that. There's a lot happening. Um, if you if you had to give basically like one piece of information like to the average American who is trying their best to follow this but just can't seem to wrap their head around it, uh, what is something that you feel like we don't know a lot? The realities of war. Yeah. Like how awful war is. Yeah. Uh, I have a personal experience of realities of war from Kiev, from my family and friends who live there. But it's uh, it's so minor comparing to the realities of war of people who live in the front lines. Yeah. Because of rape, blood, uh, Russians deport people to Russia. They force people to change their uh, ethnicity. They literally take away people and put them into um, children homes. How do you call the children homes? I, I think that you're getting yeah. that correctly. So, like, even though... Even when you follow the politics and news, you don't see the things that are actually happening in the locations where the war is on. That, yeah. That's something to think about. Do you think that there's any way that they could reach some sort of agreement at all? No, because... Uh, Why do you say that? Because Russia wants Ukraine and Ukrainians and Ukrainian government and Ukrainian people are willing to fight until, like, until they can to protect their uh, sovereignty because most most people like me see this and you know i i hate seeing war i hate seeing people die and i think to myself um there's there's got to be some sort of compromise so that both sides aren't just completely obliterated when it comes to their their youth compromise is the only compromise is if Russia goes away if it stops the war and gives us back Crimea and Donbass because they they started it they uh, they did start the invasion yeah 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 they so is it is it specifically but is it specifically over Crimea and Donbass if you guys got those back um is that is that kind of the goal of Ukraine to get those back right now like uh, that's their offensive right now the goal is to to stop the invasion and to okay. get back Crimea and Donbass. Okay. And then Russia's just not letting up? No. Okay. So if you were, if you were like the average uh, American, um, 
where where would be the best place for us to get our news sources because we don't know where to go most of the time. M- most of us are confused. We turn on, you know, we turn on Fox, we see one thing, we turn on MSNBC, we see another, we turn on a, a European or French news site to try to get a, an even view or we'll turn on a, a, a turn on a British system. But no matter where we go, it seems like we're always confused. Where would you where would you point us in the right direction here? Um the problem with that is every country has their own narrative and own propaganda. So every news source is going to be different. I would say that the smartest thing that you can do is to follow different news channels, like different countries and see different views. And the truth is going to be somewhere in between. Okay. And then just, just before, cause we got a lot to cover. Um, is there anything that you wanted to talk about uh, specifically on, on Ukraine before we, we change topics? Cause I know it's something that's very uh, close to you. Uh, and, it, it, it's yeah, a really important is a subject. one important topic that I want to cover uh, because Ukraine was a part of USSR. Almost everyone in Ukraine has some close relatives in Russia, like cousins. Yeah. It's like the parents, Koreans, yeah. Grandparents. And when the war started, literally some of my family members and friends were like calling their family and friends in Russia and saying, "Hey guys, you're like bombing us. You're bombing our cities." And they, and they were like, they were denying the the truth. Yeah. Even though their family members are saying that they are under under attack, I mean, I, I would hope that somehow we get to some sort of area where either the Russians get so exhausted they stop. I'm not sure if that could happen. Uh, nobody wants a world war. We're all kind of worried about that right now. Like nobody wants to be in the trenches, but we understand that your people already are. So it's it's just a really rough situation because um, I know just from personal experience, everybody hates seeing people die. You know, they, they hate watching it on the news. They hate hearing more about the war. Hopefully, um, we can do something to just finally end it. I'm not sure what that something is. Maybe just a strong resolve. Um, but yeah, we'll see, we'll see what we can do. It's hard and it's hard to even talk about, you know, to be honest, but, um, (laughs) thank you for explaining that and making that clear because, I, I get so confused about the whole topic. I, I just can't keep up. Yeah. That's okay. That's a very controversial topic anyway. No, that's okay. We're a controversial show. So <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, anyway, guys, we're going to be uh, right back. We're going to take a quick commercial break and we're going to talk about uh, healthcare topics to cover and food and nutrition difference between European food and American food and a uh, bunch of other stuff. So stay tuned. And we're back. Okay, so I know this from personal experience because my mom is uh, from Norway, but she's, well, I guess her personal experience, but it seems like there's a huge difference between uh, our healthcare, our food, and just the whole medical education system. So everything from the cost to the education to the mistakes, uh, everything. So like, let's let's start with the cost of healthcare. but like also the cost of the food and, and stuff. So like one of the things that happens is um, when we first come to the United uh, when people like my mom first come to the United States, uh, they notice a difference in the food's materials and a difference in the cost of it. So why don't you talk about that? Because I know that you've probably experienced that firsthand. 
Right. So um, I actually have a lot of experience uh, with healthcare, both as a professional and um, also as a patient. Oh, I forgot so, to introduce you. You are a professional uh, speech language therapist. Yes, yes, I am a speech language therapist uh, or pathologist is another way to say it. So I have worked in a hospital. I have worked in medical clinics. I have worked in a nursing home. I have a lot of experience with that. I also have a lot of friends who are uh, healthcare workers as well. So doctors, um, nurses. And so I kind of get their take on the healthcare system too, from a professional standpoint. Uh, but also growing up in America with, uh, you know, I had young parents, so they, uh, they weren't very educated as well. And so I, you know, ended up being a patient multiple times in the hospital due to not knowing, uh, you know, how food and different things uh, can affect your health because things are so much more accessible uh, in the U.S. The FDA has approved so many things that is not uh, accessible in other countries that are banned in other countries. Can you, like, can you give a few examples? Pop-Tarts are a perfect example of that. When I was a little <laughs> kid, I remember eating Pop-Tarts for breakfast every single day. Yeah. Um, but if you if you look, uh, you know, at the nutritional breakdown, there is really no benefit to eating Pop-Tarts. There is no protein, no no nutrients like you you're, know you you're, you're, could you're, be you're ruining my childhood <laughs> <laughs> i know me too i'm ruining my childhood also no it's um, okay i mean it you know it, and it tastes so good and um you know everyone's like oh pop tarts cereals all these breakfast foods aren't breakfast foods they're just desserts yeah. um but we don't know and we think because it's on the shelf in a store that you know it's okay to consume and then we don't realize that the consequences of that are later being in the hospital and that we just think oh it's normal to go you know, into the doctor or be in the hospital with all these issues. We think it's normal. We don't realize that there are specific causes that are not being regulated, you know, by the government or just, you know, in general in the U.S. And, you know, lack of education, lack of uh, resources, like financially, if you think about it, Pop-Tarts are a lot, you know, cheaper than healthier foods, vegetables and proteins, animal meats, yeah. uh, all those things that actually provide, you know, your cells with the nutrients that you need to function to be healthy healthy, uh, you know, to maximize your success and ability to participate in everyday life. Yeah. I mean, um, the, even certain things like red food dyes because their estrogenics are, are banned in Europe and everything else. And everybody always asks me like, why are the testosterone rates so much higher in Europe than they are in the United States? And it has a lot to do with, well, not, we'll get into this later, but like, um, there's certain things that affect it, like, um, birth control, food, Absolutely. seed oils, things like that. I mean, do you, do you know what one of my guilty uh, pleasures was growing up as a teenager was eating chips, right? Yes. I loved eating chips, but like, here, here's here. the thing is like, I never knew that the unhealthy part of the chip, it's not the potato. It's not mm -hmm. the salt. It's the oils that the chip are being cooked in. Yeah. And it's the other additional ingredients that we don't like. No, you can be healthy and eat chips that are non-GMO and they're just potatoes and sea salt or an olive oil or avocado oil and you'll be fine. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, research shows that, you know, some of the worst things for your body are added sugars, uh, oils, other than like avocado oils and more natural oils. Um, and 
fats also, you know, fry like French fries. Think about yeah. how available French fries are and yeah. yet how bad they are for you. The it's cost not, of a McDonald's meal. Exactly. It's so much cheaper to go, you know, get chicken nuggets and Mc, or French fries from McDonald's than it is to go to a nice like steakhouse or somewhere and get like real food. It's much more expensive. And it almost makes me question sometimes if that's intentional because if we're eating healthier and it's more accessible, then we're less likely to end up in the hospital or at the doctor's office where they're, you know, going to be charging us and giving us treatment that we think is, you know, treatment. Like, for example, fiber is something very important to talk about. Yeah. So like think about fruits, right? Everyone thinks, oh, fruits is, you know, it has a lot of sugar in it, damages the liver, whatever. True, but I mean, if you do it in moderation, it does get processed the same way as added sugar kind of, but there's fiber. It's wrapped in fiber. So what processed sugar is, they take away the fiber, the healthy stuff, so it's not digested in the same way. And, you know, it spikes your blood sugar and it's just so much worse for you than fruit. Plus, you're not getting all the nutrients that you're getting, you know, from fruit. So, and another thing I wanted to say, like with fiber, for example, if you go to the doctor and you don't have fiber and you're not having regular bowel movements, that um, all those like chemicals and poisons get clogged up in your in your bloodstream and, you know, it makes you sick. It, it you know, it gives you ADHD because you're not, there's a mind gut connection. So everything, you know, in your body is getting recycled back up, you know, to your brain. Yeah. You're not able to focus. You're not able to do all these things. So the solutions are not, hey, have more fiber. If I go to the, I've been to the doctor multiple times saying, hey, I'm not having regular bowel movements. What should I do? And they say, hey, let me prescribe you some Miralax. I mean, yeah, yeah, sure, that takes the water in and helps, you know, I mean, it, it, it's effective, but one, it's so much more expensive. Two, it's not, that's not the correct solution. That's so just a band-aid. Band band exactly. Solution. It's a band-aid solution. If you, you know, if we had education about, you know, fruits, vegetables, why you need to have fibers or fiber in general, why you need to pair it with protein sources and fats and how to pair foods together in general, we wouldn't be having these issues. And then we wouldn't have to pay for um, all these treatments that they're telling us that we need. So it's almost like they're making more money, not only off of the disease, like not only on you know, going to the hospital and paying this large bill, but also the treatment that they're telling us costs a lot because pharmaceutical companies are making money off of that. Really quick, let me just add Olga in here for like, what's the biggest difference that you see in an American food versus like a European food? Because you're directly from Europe, oh. so you must know the the differences and so, like things in taste because you, you have the same exact product and it tastes completely different. Yeah. In fact, like that's the first thing when people ask me, um what's the difference like what do you like in us why did you move there what you what you don't like there and the first thing that i say that i don't like and hate is food and the second <laughs> one is healthcare. um and you're in chicago so the food's not as bad as it is in the I other mean, other areas it's of the country awful <laughs> uh, a lot of my friends who go to us for for the first time for a long period of time they gain weight and they started starting to have health issues when yeah. i first came to you to us i gained like a lot of weight and i wasn't 
I was eating less, but my body stopped receiving any nutrients for food and, and mm -hmm. it started storing fat yeah. uh, just in case so I can get more energy. And mm -hmm. it literally happened to every girl from Europe I know that moved to US. Yeah, and then vice versa. So like if the, the girls from the US who go over to Europe are eating exactly the same, Sammy was just telling me off air, like did I had pizza, <laughs> I had all this other stuff yeah. and I lost weight. Right, I was gonna say, yeah, <laughs> I went to Italy and Greece last summer for a few weeks and oh my gosh, that was one of the biggest differences I noticed was I've always had gut issues or stomach issues and I've yeah. been diagnosed with a general diagnosis of IBS. So just a sensitive, you know, stomach and nobody knows why and there's no like criteria for that label. Um, but whenever I went there for a couple weeks, I saw the biggest difference more than I ever have in my entire life. I was not even being, uh, cautious really of what I was putting into my body. I was on vacation. I was eating pizza. I was eating, uh, pasta, all these things that, you know, carbs that are marketed as, you know, not healthy for you, but because they're processed differently and, you know, it's healthier to eat those foods than it is to come here in America and try and eat healthy foods. You can eat chicken and broccoli and still not be as healthy here because of how they're providing it to us because of how, you know, it, the pesticides and all those different things, how it's being processed and packaged. Yeah. Like preservatives. That, like that. Exactly. So it lasts longer. And by the time it gets to the store, you know, we can go and choose the healthiest things, but it's kind of beyond our control at that point because there's only so much you can do at the and individual it's not level. Even that healthy, like even yeah. even when I buy like vegetables and fruits and whole foods, like it tastes different. It's not mm -hmm. like you don't feel the saturation of taste. It feels fake. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I was just gonna say like I went to Norway when I was a kid um, to go visit my family. You know what the biggest thing I noticed in taste is the exact same thing was bread. Yes. Bread does not taste the same in America as I've it does that. in Europe. Like when I had Norwegian bread, I could taste the grains. I could taste the the different nuances. I could taste like the little little um, like nutritional value of it. And then I went back here and I tried like bread, and it is not the same. It's completely different, and it's the same kind of bread, mm -hmm. but it, it does not taste the same. And over in Europe, they're eating, it's like what you said, they're eating carbs like 24-7 and they're, they're yeah. losing weight and getting abs, you know? Right, exactly. And actually, there have been, uh, you know, studies that show not just with bread, but like yeah. uh, with fruits, for example, if you notice when you go to the store, the fruits are bigger. They're not supposed to be that way. Bananas are not supposed to be that big. Yeah. Um, and it's because of, you know, the things, the uh, pesticides, preservatives, all that, how they're being farmed or whatever. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's unnatural, you know, and we, we don't think that we don't know the difference. So we just go and pick up that fruit and think, oh, I'm putting a fruit into my body. This is a good thing. But then we don't realize, Hey, this is huge. It's not supposed to be this big. Nature was not, you know, meant to <laughs> have us eat a banana the size of our arm. <laughs> right. Exactly. And that, and then there's, there's areas, uh, I don't know if you guys, ladies have ever heard of this, but there's, um, areas called food deserts and that's where the, the areas have almost no healthy food because the population like doesn't want to eat it like the low lower income people who grew up just eating unhealthy foods but like if because one of them cheap. 
Yeah, but if but if one of them wanted to go in, like let's say he's looking at a Coca-Cola and a yogurt, and he's like, okay, I'll take the yogurt. Little does he know the yogurt has twice as much sugar in it as the Coke. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> it's being it's being marketed as, you know, Healthy. differently. Ex- exactly. One uh, example I have of that is the fitness industry, for example, protein, right? Yeah. Everyone wants to get as much protein in, in as possible. But the way it's marketed to us, we think, oh, eating this protein cookie is, you know, going to be as effective as eating a real piece of like chicken or steak or salmon or something that's, you know, actually natural and, you know, it's meant for our bodies to digest and it's not been in a factory and all this stuff. And, you know, you don't realize that it's, it's not, it's not the same, you know, eating a protein cookie, look at all the oils and all the added sugars. It's almost worse for you to eat that than if you were to just not, you know, meet your protein goal almost. It's almost worse. You ladies want to know like a little bit of a, a cutting tip is um, one food that's extremely high in protein that's really low in calories. If you can get it like sourced well is actually shrimp. Oh, so like I, I did, did not know that. No, so like I had a bunch of shrimp yesterday and I used this AI, it was chat GPT. Mm-hmm. To, we'll talk about that later. But um, uh, I used it to like track my calories. And I guess um, because I had so much shrimp, I actually ended up eating like 200 grams of protein. Uh, because i added it to like my regular protein so yeah if you if you want to get in lean uh lean protein like with not a lot of calories uh shrimp also steak steak is good because the problem with chicken is here in the united states is a lot of preservatives are pumped into the chicken to keep it longer they can't do that with steak without affecting the taste oh okay yeah not a lot of people know that but yeah could continue what you were saying like you were talking about no i mean that's uh that's a good point and uh i think that if we knew more about that stuff that's like the perfect stuff to be taught in school and healthcare class yeah they don't teach you any they don't teach you any of that think about what you're taught in healthcare class you're taught about stds and drug like heroin which are also important but yeah Yeah, they're important (laughs) but like that's a little bit more obvious and a little less accessible you know than judging by the statistics in alaska i'd say they need more of that but anyway (laughs) true but in general i mean think about how many things are almost as comparable or almost just as bad as those things yet don't get marketed the same way like let's say alcohol for example you know people don't realize how bad alcohol is because it's socially acceptable because there's a social bias behind it so we think oh if it's marketed as a normal thing if everyone else is doing it it must be fine but yeah i know people who you know have almost died at like a young age at like 50 or 60 because of alcohol or because of too much sugar because they had cirrhosis of liver. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's not something that's marketed to us. We just assume, you know, it's okay if everyone else is doing it. You know, it's it's healthy. It's fine. It's okay to have one glass of wine a night or... Also, too, that goes back into the whole European-American wine thing where like a lot of wines from California have pesticides inside of them. Right. Yeah. Yeah, she, she, you've probably noticed the difference, right? From oh yeah, Ukraine. I don't, yeah. I don't buy wine that yeah. is made in U.S. Like I, I, I try to find the wine that are made from Europe because it just tastes so. I don't different. blame you. It's, it's completely different. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't even drink that often. You mentioned cirrhosis and liver. My, my brother was actually born with that, so oh, I, don't, wow. I don't drink. Yeah, so um, he has like a very rare condition um that he was born with, like fifty percent of his liver has cirrhosis. But, oh wow! Do yeah. you know? Like, did they know what caused it, or is it just kind of you know, spontaneous we, we, we and assu- unknown? We assume that uh, something, or... but we can't prove anything. Right. I think it's something, something happened during birth, but we can't prove that. Um, just I don't know. It's just random things. Like uh, the the healthcare system in and of itself is is kind of crazy. But yeah, diabetes and everything else is a huge indicator, and a lot of people are just like, I want to live healthy. I want to do this, 
but then they have to give up like chips, e- even even candies. Like most of the candies are made with soy. Like um, like before we started, I, I gave you, you know, I know all good. I was like, yeah, she's probably a little health sick. Let me get the closest thing I can find a European chocolate, and you, you'll admit, like it, it tastes completely different yeah. than regular like american chocolate i feel like diabetes is the perfect disease for big pharma in u.s <sighs> yeah because yeah, they make so much you, money off you, of it. like they make you take this drug like throughout your whole life first they feed you with sugar like in europe they don't put sugar in things like bread or like yeah here they put sugar everywhere so they make you addicted to sugar first and then you're they diagnose you with diabetes and you mm-hmm. need to buy and take this drug until the rest of your life yeah even even people are like well i'll try to eat healthier it's on subway like what you said subway actually has at least 10 grams of sugar in the bread of every sandwich so they can't actually classify it as yep, bread i've heard of the that sugar it's classified as a just what is it like a pastry or something it's you know it's primarily sugar so. yeah it's yeah. like protein bars i feel like healthy nutritional habits is also like marketed differently in us oh yeah like when people like let's say i want to eat healthy i would like go to that like healthy aisle in the in the grocery store buy things and i will assume that they are healthy but they are not they just market it as being Mm -hmm. healthy just like protein bars or like smoothies or healthy cereal filled with sugar you know the guy who reads all the labels everywhere i'm that guy (laughs) i'm like i'm the guy who's always like okay wait wait i'm like and then somebody's like it's a protein bar and i'm like yeah and it's got twice as many grams of sugar as protein Mm -hmm. it's you'd be yeah it's like what you said sam you'd be better off just having a steak But um, then just like the healthcare in general, like I read a story and it was by a doctor and those will kind of give you an example of like how everything plays in. So like, let's say in America, like just, just even besides the health, like you got an old person and they fall and let's say they fell at work. Right. And Mm -hmm. the doctor's like the health insurance, you need to claim it. Well, it did, they fell at work. So it's, it's, it's workers comp. And then they, the workers comp people are like, come and then, and then, you know, they lost a week or let's say they lost like a month's worth of work that they're not going to be recompensated for a long time after that, because it takes so long, even with TTD, or let's say somebody got into a car accident four years mm-hmm. ago and the insurance will deny that. Well, my back hurts. Well, that's auto insurance. That's not. And then they kicked a bucket on whoever's supposed to make the payment. I mean, let's well, say let's say it's something even more serious. Let's say it's something like a tumor, right? And the doctor was like, I, we're following a tumor size and we call the insurance company. We need an MRI and you know we need to see how the tumor's behaving. Hey, we need an MRI. Why? Well, because we need to do this for this reason. Did you try the CAT scan first? They don't need a CAT scan. They need an MRI. No, they don't. They need a CAT scan. We're not going to insure the the MRI until we insure the CAT scan. And then that doctor spends 45 minutes on the phone arguing with the insurance Mm -hmm. company until they finally hire an administrator to do it and raises the costs of healthcare and it ends up tripling. And it's just a vicious cycle. The the amount of doctors have shrunken, the amount of healthcare administrators have grown. And I, I feel like Europe doesn't have that problem. You, you correct me if I'm wrong. Does they do they have that problem? Yeah, we actually talked about this that here doctors are like have so much paperwork to do that they don't have to time to establish personal rela- relationships with their pa- patients. I feel like when I was in Ukraine, I actually had the person who trying to take care of me. Here yeah. it was just for like for a check mark. Yeah. 
Well, yeah. So first, I just want to say the point that you guys are bringing up is really the idea that in the U.S. we're negatively reinforced to, you know, seek medical help. So in other countries, it's positively reinforced. You know, if you have a symptom, okay, go to the doctor and get it checked out immediately because of multiple reasons. One reason is the positive relationship. I mean, it's so important to have a positive social relationship with your doctor, that connection, you know, you, you're literally putting your health in someone else's hands. You want to be able to trust them. You want to be able to see them, know them. In other countries like Canada, for example, doctors will follow their patients for years, sometimes like 50 years, depending on, you know, how old the, the doctor is and how long they stay there for. So they form these connections with their patients and then their patients are more likely to, to go back regularly and, and seek help uh, because, you know, they know they're going to get, you know, the accurate uh, diagnosis and treatment and that the doctor's going to listen to them and actually care. And so because they're being positively reinforced and they're going right away, their symptoms are getting taken care of right away. Here in the U.S., you have a symptom, you suppress it because it's almost more of a risk. Yeah, you take Tylenol. Exactly. Well, <laughs> that's a different topic. But yeah. um, you almost suppress it because that's more of a risk because even me, myself, I don't, I don't want to go to the hospital if I have, you know, something wrong with me because there have been so many times where I've gone to the hospital and ended up being worse than if I were just to stay home and like figure it out on my own. So for example, last fall, I got into a car wreck and everyone was telling, you know, I got hit by a car. I was parked. How are you uh, feeling, by the way, after that? Because, like, I remember you told me about that. Yeah, no, I feel fine. Um, it was any like long-lasting things? Or? No, thankfully, uh, it was pretty low impact. And I, obviously, I, I was actually about to bring this up, but whenever I went to the hospital, they didn't really do anything. So I think everything's fine, but I, obviously, I can't really know for <laughs> sure because, I mean, they didn't really listen to me too much. So whenever I went to the hospital, first, let's talk about the time it took. I sat in the ER for seven hours, and my time is very. Uh, valuable to me. You know, I, I do a lot of things and, and taking seven hours out of my day to do something, I better get a good return on my investment for that time. But I didn't, I didn't get any answers. It was a waste of time. And I might as well just not have gone, but isn't, everyone. Isn't that because the, the doctors need to justify to insurance companies why they prescribed you to do the blood work or MRI scans? Might, I mean, it might be part of it. Like I, what I was saying earlier is a lot of doctors, they got to be doctors, lawyers, businessmen, all wrapped up into one. And, they, and then they administrate like, who, like, let's give an example. Like I call my back hurts. Who do I call? Do I get the doctor? I know I get the receptionist who thinks she's a doctor. Right. <laughs> you know, or it's like, even like physician's assistant. Anytime I've been to the doctor, I've never seen the actual doctor. I have more friends that are doctors than I've actually seen in, you know, as a patient. So, you know, you see the physician's assistant who doesn't know as much and, and they're relaying this information. A lot gets lost in translation and, you know, and, and you're right. Same thing with, um, you know, requesting for like certain scans or whatever, like, uh, you know, most doctor like hospitalists, for example, uh, when a patient gets uh, admitted, the nurse is the, kind of the one taking care of them. And then they have to call the doctor and they have to say, OK, what should I, pres you know, can you prescribe? Here's what I'm saying. And then, you know, all that all that time it takes, too. But another thing I wanted to say is not just the time, but also 
the money. So whenever I went that day to go uh, get checked out, it cost me $500 just for probably about 20 minutes. I was in, I spent seven hours in the ER. And then by the time that I got up to a room to actually see the doctor, who's actually the physician's assistant, I was there for about 20 minutes. They didn't really listen to me. They didn't really take me seriously. Didn't provide me any treatment. They prescribed me Tylenol, which I could go get over the <laughs> counter anyway. So I was like, well, thank you for, for that. Yeah. Um, uh, but basically he didn't even do any scans. I, I asked like, should you do, you know, an MRI or CT scan or something on my brain? Because I'd actually hit my head off the mirror because, uh, I mean, it was relatively low in impact, but it did kind of shake me a little bit and it wasn't hard, but you know, just a little bit can cause damage. You know, I've yeah. seen that working in the hospital with older patients. Um, so yeah, it goes back to the previous example. It's like, you know, that that can happen and then they're bogged down with all this paperwork and everything else. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then that's also another thing, the paperwork itself, not necessarily just in the hospital. But, uh, you know, if you're seeing patients uh, as a doctor, you know, at a, at a clinic or whatever. Uh, you have to do a lot of paperwork. You have to spend almost more time on the notes than you do the patients. And I've heard doctors tell me before, um, you know, I feel like uh, I feel bad because I feel like I'm I'm wasting time and I'm hurrying up with the patient so I can get my paperwork done. Because if I spend time with these patients, by the time I get home, you know, it's like seven o'clock at night and I have all this work to do, all these notes that I couldn't get done during the day because I was too busy seeing patients. So then right. they spend their entire day and their off time, you know, doing these notes. And same with me as a speech therapist. I have yeah. so many notes and reports and I can't sit there and do that whenever I'm providing therapy to a patient, you know, and yeah. and I don't want to. That's a separate task. That's a separate area of my brain. I want to focus everything I can on the patient. But then I go home and I have 20 hours extra of work each week because yeah. of notes and reports. Yeah, and, and then if you don't put the in the code right, then the insurance isn't going to cover it. Absolutely. And, then you're, and then you're going to have to spend 30 minutes calling exactly. the insurance and you're not getting paid for that. And, and the, Exactly. Yeah. And that's you know another reason why I'm so, you know, it takes so long to do notes and reports because if, you know, insurance is kind of picky about how you, you know, how you write your note and what it covers and what terminology you use, not just what codes you use. And then you could waste all that time and have to do it over again. So I almost put more time into a single note for like 10 or 15 minutes to make sure that, you know, I'm not going to have to repeat it in two weeks just to worry about getting paid for that one hour. Yeah, because you're a speech language pathologist. You know, speech language pathology, not codes for insurance. Like yeah. that, that's not your purview. Right. But it's a separate task separate job and then uh, another oh you were going to say something Go uh, yeah ahead. just to give you some context how bad i think of american healthcare. if i'm gonna have a major symptom i would rather fly to the country with an active war right now to go to the doctor <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes and i'm not even kidding that's not a joke okay well i mean like there was there there i'm um i'm not never mind i'm not even gonna go into that but uh, i'll give you guys like a personal experience i had like um sometimes doctors too will they'll over prescribe things so like when i was 21 they overprescribed uh, they prescribed me blood pressure medication because my blood pressure was high i'm right. 21 right i'm not obese i'm in pretty good shape right. I'm, I'm like but they prescribed me uh metropolo well uh, what's the problem like so i i was i'm on that for a couple years and then i realized it's actually really hard to get up and my dosage keeps going up mm -hmm. so i do my own research and i do again i'm not saying anybody do this but i 
decided to go cold turkey and um it it hurt me i had basically like a panic attack and it screwed up a date i was on too so i'm like i'm like trying to control myself and like i'm my brain is not in all my right mind and i'm trying to like but yeah screwed that up but then i i started like I started, um, I was like, okay, I need to substitute. So I substituted with, with ashwagandha Mm -hmm. and my blood pressure before when I was on the, uh, when I was on the blood pressure medication was like 130 over 90. And when I got off it and used the ashwagandha, I turned up at a, a, um, a doctor's office and it was 120 over 70. So it's actually oh, wow. better with that. Cause I figured out, like I used all these natural substances, but like you, you, you perked up the second I said that because like, you know, they overprescribe things like birth control and stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, so you, first you brought up a, a couple good points there. Uh, first I wanted to say, you know, with medication in general, uh, there's a lot of different interactions and different chemicals and a lot to or chemistry, a lot to know that you can't possibly know every patient well enough. If you're in a room with a patient for 10 minutes, there's no way you can, you know, analyze all that background information and all that medical history and say, okay, this is the perfect medication. Cause there's so much that goes into it. And there's yeah. so many things that counteract each other could yeah. negatively affect each other. So how's a doctor supposed to know what to prescribe you you know, if they don't even know you well enough, if they only are given 10 minutes uh, yeah. in a room. Um, and then that's another thing is medication itself. You know, they're being told this is the right medication to give, right? Like birth control, for example. Yeah. But sometimes it almost makes me wonder once I look into these medications and like the benefits versus the side effects, if, you know, the pharmaceutical companies are just saying, telling the doctors, they're the, you know, the, like you were saying earlier, the healthcare, yeah. the management they're the ones providing education to the doctors. Doctors go to medical school and they're taught this information and, you know, they think it's right. They think, okay, yes, a birth control is, you know, what uh, a 22-year-old female needs to regulate her hormones. I mean, yes, there's some there's some truth to that, but at the same time, there's a lot more damage that can come from birth control than as if you were to learn about how cycles work, you know, how yeah. menstrual cycles work, uh, and also just certain foods and, and how to manage that on your own and even like stress and exercise. So many different things that are within your control every day that can go into it, that you can, you can heal naturally, um, or you can prevent those issues. And so birth control, like you had brought up actually is linked to, uh, breast cancer studies show that it can cause breast cancer. So why are wow. they prescribing right. a medication that actually causes medic causes a disease, which then you will have to go seek another treatment for doesn't and it, more medication it also cause like liver cirrhosis. If I'm not mistaken, or like some, um, some sort of issue with the liver. I'm not sure if birth control does uh, by itself, but medications in general, Tylenol is a perfect yeah. example yeah, that Tylenol is so bad for your liver. But yet we're taught, you know, if we have pain or if we have a headache, go take Tylenol. But yet Tylenol is causing, you know, issues with your liver. And that's on top of if you're drinking on the weekend and also eating processed yeah. sugars that you don't know about, like ketchup. If you're eating, yeah. you know, hamburger with ketchup on it, ketchup has a lot of added sugar. People don't think that ketchup is you know sugar but yet all those things compiled together are causing you know these these liver issues and you know instead of taking tylenol you could just go drink water there are studies that show (laughs) that you know drinking water being properly hydrated getting enough rest enough sleep exercise all these things will prevent headaches and hormone imbalances and all these symptoms that you're seeing from habits that we aren't being taught about because we're just taught hey live with you know all these toxins and all these bad habits and, you know, just 
live with your primary uh um or what am I trying to say? Pleasure. They're right. basically marketing pleasure instead of health. Yeah. Do you guys think that there is something that can be done to change the American healthcare system to benefit people, not big pharma? It needs it needs to be education. more commu- <laughs> education, community based. Um, there's some people right now within the crypto community, and what they're trying to do is they're like, okay, we're going to just take, we're going to spend like $170 each on a month. We're going to form our own little community. We're going to do things that the insurance companies make it easy easier to process. Mm-hmm. And instead of going through all these administrators and being on our own, we're going to have this big crowd fund. And if, if like, if Olga breaks her arm, um, we're like, we're, we're all going to have that input Olga's already to have that. to Ukraine. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, do they push like birth control and stuff as much in, in Ukraine? Uh, no, or is that, they okay. try to fix Because certain problems. areas of Europe are Naturally, different. Right? They first try natural remedies and like supplements. And then if it's it's not gonna work they give you the birth control it's like a last resort yeah yeah because like dirt different areas in europe are different with that yeah. go ahead you were gonna say something well yeah i was gonna say it kind of brought up uh, another thought that i had you were saying um i was saying uh you know when you had mentioned the birth control it reminded me of another very common issue that uh people in their early 20s, you know, are seeing now is ADHD, right? That's a a medication that's being, birth control is prescribed a lot. Uh, ADHD, Adderall is being prescribed a lot. And that's something, those are two things that I had been prescribed in the past that I had realized that they were actually causing more more harm than they were benefiting me. Um, So with Adderall, for example, I feel like every girl's on Adderall. I it's know like, so many people on Adderall and they just, you know, throw it out like it's candy and, <laughs> and people are not educated on, you know, how, how damaging it is and not just how damaging it is, but how uh, easy of a solution it is for ADHD. But think about it. ADHD is, you know, in not just inattention, but inability to control your uh, attention and inability to focus on things and, you know, have control of that, which you absolutely need for several executive functions to be able to plan, to be able to problem solve. That's actually something uh, in my field as a speech language pathologist that executive functions, being able to carry out any task, you need to have attention. That is the very first thing. So there's like attention, then there's inhibition. So basically impulsivity. You're impulsive. You're more likely to make mistakes. And those are just a couple examples. Planning, time management, those things are all based on attention. But what causes, uh, you know, inability to pay attention. There is a mind gut uh, connection for one. That's just one example. So the foods you're consuming, you know, processed foods are not sugar, for example, is not supporting your your mind. So that way it can focus uh, and it can function. um, Have you ever heard of um, the Amish autism paradox? Uh, not Amish specifically, but that's a good, uh, but tell me about it because I actually work with autism patients. In, in the Amish communities, autism does not exist and it never has that you can't find a single person who is, who is in the Amish community who has autism. Why do you think it's that? I think it's like what she was saying. Like, first of all, um, Things are overprescribed in the United mm-hmm. States. Experimental medications are taken. Uh, we have bad foods. We had b- bad things. We have uh, more electronics affecting us than we would care I to admit. I mean, that. like, I, you know, me putting my iPhone in my pocket next to the family jewels every day is probably not the best thing for it. <laughs> but it, that's why I use my back pocket. But, you know, just like what you were saying, like, it's really, there's so much 
within our food, within our healthcare system that affects us negatively. People have tried to explain that, Olga, but they they can't come up with an answer that wouldn't uh, anger some big pharma reps. Exactly. And I I like that you brought that up because uh, autism and ADHD are kind of very similar. They present uh, with similar, you know, most people actually studies show that most people with autism actually have uh, ADHD as well. And obviously I have to be careful with how I speak on this because the, because of the research. So I just want to preface by saying that this is just, you know, based on things that I have read based on research that's known, there was this one study that, uh, where they looked at rats and the gut health of rats and the bacteria and one rat had autism and ADHD and one did not. So they had switched the bacteria and they found that the other rat then had autism and ADHD and the other one did not. So based, you know, based, Based on that uh, conclusion, that would almost lead you to believe that gut health plays a very important role in autism and ADHD. And if we're not being uh, given these processed foods or even things like uh, electronics, obviously, I don't personally know and I'm not going to make that claim that it causes uh, deficits in attention. We just don't know. There's not enough. We, it's been around There's for not too enough short research. Of a time. Yeah. But that's just something that you can bring into question. That's something you can always consider. Even if you don't know the answer, you can, you can think about it, you know, screen time, uh, and you know, technology, processed foods, all these things we're seeing a rise in, but we're also seeing a rise in autism and ADHD. Both of those things have significantly, uh, increased in, in, their diag- diagnosis rates in the past couple of years. We're, we're in the last five minutes. I can't even believe time is time has just flown by. But uh, you, you ladies want me to absolutely blow your mind with something that yes. you probably don't know. So uh, you, you, we talked about birth control earlier, right? Do you know that birth control actually clings to fat and it gets processed within the, the plumbing system when um, through the toilets and everything else through the refined water. So because it clings to fat, you can't actually filter it out of the water. And if you can, you can't filter it as easily unless it's going through something like char- um, like charcoal or uh, other specified filters. So a lot of men are drinking tap water. And what's oh, wow. happening is it, 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 the, it's an, it has something called EE2. It's an estrogenic. And I read about this in a book called Estro Generation. Very good book. I would highly recommend it to any man or woman living in the United States. But it clings to this. And then it acts like estrogen in the body. It's not estrogen, but it acts like estrogen Mm -hmm. in the body. So what's happening is there are young men who are essentially drinking birth control hormone and their testosterone levels are plummeting as a result. And it's, it's creating things like, like even other uh, chemicals that we have, like lavender or huge estrogenics. Like I've seen a baby and they applied lavender oil to its, uh, its chest and the, the male baby started getting breasts. You know, I've heard that too. Yeah. It can, it can shrink penis size. It can lower testosterone. It can cause man boobs. It can lead to hormonal problems. It can, and also like we mentioned earlier, it can lead to problems within the brain and the gut. Exactly. Can I now blame big pharma that men are not masculine enough? (laughs) And we just got canceled. Uh, (laughs) No, no, uh, no. But that was what I was going into earlier about like testosterone rates. It's just things that you have to be careful. And there's, there's, Certain supplements you can take like choline, tongkata, uh, leaf, fidogia, gressis, ashwagandha, these things will boost 
T levels in men to kind of get them on par. But if you're just eating the random seed oils everywhere, it, it gets really hard. Okay, closing thoughts. We got three minutes left. Okay, yeah. One last note, re- kind of related to that. Uh, same with uh, Adderall, for example. Um, you know, Adderall uh, promotes dependence on you know, for, uh, on this medication for, uh, improved attention, but over time you get desensitized to it and it actually negatively affects your dopamine levels. And not only that, but it's bad for blood flow and so many other things. And it's, you know, not healthy for your brain. So we're, we're becoming dependent on this to function and we're requiring higher doses as time goes on because your brain gets adjusted to that dose and then it needs higher and higher doses. So instead of being dependent on it, think about how you can, you know, help yourself from, from the inside. Uh, so there's supplements such as lion's mane, uh, that research supports to improve attention. Yeah, I know. It's like you think I have as well. on it. Yeah, absolutely. I forgot to take mine before the podcast, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, no, I, I love that. Um, but yeah, so <laughs> I feel bad cause I feel like I've just brought you guys on and you guys came prepared <laughs> and you had all this stuff ready. And then, and now the, uh, the hour has just flown by like in, in a huge, like just, just gone. Um, I, I would love to have you guys back if you're, if you're ever in town, if you're ever willing. Yeah, but, absolutely. Um, yeah, we could, we can, because one of the things that I wanted to get into with you guys that I didn't get a chance to is you're a speech language pathologist, you are a software engineer. I wanted to talk about AI and I do not have enough time to talk about AI in 60 seconds. Right. Well, that's for next time. We can certainly talk about that topic. Anyway, ladies, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate you guys coming on. And um, yeah, uh, uh, thank you so much for bringing uh, so many insights. Is there, you guys have any more closing thoughts you want to close with? Uh, No, I think we brought up a lot of good points. So thank you for having us. We really appreciate it. Thank you. All right, um, guys, this has been the, another episode of the conservative connection. Uh, Thank you for tuning in. Um, We want to thank our guests once again for staying by. And as always, stay connected. And corn pop was a bad dude. The conservative connection.